Another show. Welcome everyone to the Brisbane Football Review with James Scott and Adam here and well we're back on our normal Wednesday recording schedule after some uh, festive, flex- festive flexibility I think is the phrase I was going to go with. Scott, how are you? I'm good James, how are you? Uh, good, now I'm back exercising after eating way too much in the last little while. Adam, how about you? Yeah, just uh, marking time until we go on a little adventure. So. Yes, Adam's uh, off in, what is it, two weeks now? So. Yep. Get ready for another uh, rolling cast of fill-in co-hosts as we try to find your replacement. I mean... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's right. All right, so uh, listening to us on one of our many podcasting platforms, including a brand new one, Spotify, after I finally found the Submit to Spotify, submit to Spotify button on our Wooshka dash- dashboard. I can't believe how long it took me to find that or say that sentence. Well done. Yes, exactly. Uh, we're also on, yeah, Wooshka, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, of course, iTunes. Uh, get in contact with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, we're still working on updating that, and Twitter at BNE Football. Now, we better get into segment one because we've got actually quite a packed show to talk about right now. Which disappointment do you want to get into first? We're going to start off at Suncorp Stadium, and you know what? It's been great to see the Raw progress. You know, there was a lot of improvement. Oh, wait, that was what I started writing at halftime. <laughs> Boy, that was a real kick in the gut, wasn't it? 2 0 up at halftime. And everything swung literally in the space of about 30 seconds, Adam. Well, at least you didn't say 2 0 and something, 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 because, yeah. We're not the Mariners. No. Um, look, you know, it, it's a game, it was a game of two halves, as I said on the post game show. Um, look, the game changed on that red card, uh, plain and simple. And look, but we've got to give also credit to Perth. I think they've shown under Tony Popovich that they are. Um, genuine contenders, and look, if they if they weren't, that's a game they probably would either just you know fall over line, maybe a scrape second goal. But the fact that they not only level with the raw at 80 minutes, but then to put two beyond that, um, to put the game out doubt. Look, I think that's it says more about them more than just you know the yeah. raw's performance. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get into talking about the raw extensively in a minute, but I want to start talking about Perth as well. And I see credit to Tony Popovich. Actually, do you remember the Champions League game a few years ago between Real Madrid and Man United when Nani got sent off? No, but I trust you do. Yeah, and within two minutes, Mourinho managing Madrid at the time brought on Luka Modric and just completely changed the game, put suffocating pressure on Man United. They got the goals and won the game. Perth did the same thing on Sunday night when they brought on Castro and Frank, particularly Castro. It was absolutely fantastic. I know you give him a hard time for, for his lack of defensive effort, but on Sunday... He didn't need to do anything. He didn't anything. need to do anything on Sunday. And he was absolutely superb off the bench for Perth. They just, they just put the foot down. After the red card, I know they got the goal back straight away through the penalty, but after that, there was really only going to be if, if there was yeah. any more goals, it was only going to be at one end of the park. They uh, were really, really good putting suffocating pressure on the roll. They just couldn't play, they couldn't get out really for the, after that red card. Absolutely, and look, it was a second straight four-two loss at home for the Roar as well, was. which was just mm. insane. And also another one where a raw player got sent off. It all started off so well though, like yeah. the raw. I'd be lying if I said that I thought they were totally in control in that first half, but they played well enough to go into halftime with a 2-0 lead, and it could very easily have been 3-0. Look, it wasn't... The 2-0 lead wasn't by any fluke or sort of, you know, sort of by chance. So they really built that 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 first half together, and... Um, 
look, yeah, especially the first half, you know, there's a lot a lot to, you know, take out of that to say, you know what, the the Raw as a side, they can at least in most part they can you know, they, they can be competitive and they've got they're putting it together. It's just was the collapse in the second half when something didn't go their way and it all fell in a heap. It was the same problem that I suppose we've seen all season where we're still yet to see the Raw put together a whole 90-minute performance. It is, but the most pleasing thing for me is it started with defence on Sunday night, pressing from the front. In the front, yep. they were absolutely brilliant. The amount of errors they forced in a really good Perth side of playing out from the back was really unseen this year. No one's really troubled Perth like that as of creating mistakes from them, and the Raw capitalised on them more than once. And you know what, like, just in terms of sheer effort, I feel like I've got to single out Matt Mackay as well, yeah. like, his running, especially early on, was absolutely phenomenal, closing down Perth, for, like, playing, I suppose, as the most advanced midfield. I think when we talk about styles of the Raw, that's one thing I always, um, is synonymous with when, when the Raw are at their best, is that, that you know, that they're where they're winning balls off the opposition in in their yep. opposition's half and just shutting them down and 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 that and that was clearly evident in the first half. You know, Matt McKay leading the charge. Yep. You know, it just yeah, they were just not letting Perth dictate. Very very hard when you have ten men to be able to do that or even to maintain it all. That's that's a high press, high energy thing. And mm. at the end of the day, it just ran them ragged. And I guess it was, um, they're there for the taking. It's also something the Raw haven't been used to doing in recent times. They've been more sit back and hit on transition as opposed to take the game. It was a lot more proactive. Yeah, it's a very different style of play. And it's going to take the players time to get used to that once again. Certainly. All right, we've heard from Scott and Adam and myself a little bit as well. We're going to hear from the Raw manager, Darren Davies, with the first question at his press conference, which I believe it was from you, Scott, saying, well, it wasn't all bad, was it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Really positive question to start. So, you're right. Yeah, first half, I thought we were very good. Um, I thought out of possession, we, uh, we pressed them well. We pressed them high. Um, we were positive in transition. Uh, when we had the ball, we looked to play. There were some fantastic passages of play, and we uh, we had a deserved lead um, going into the break. And um, you know that was uh, that was the real positive of the, of the evening. Just wish wish the ref would have blown up at uh, halftime for full time. But you know that's uh, that's the way it goes. Game changes in the second half, obviously, uh, with the sending off, and you know we have to defend for for what was it 35 minutes just over uh, with with 10 men so uh, that was the story of the game but you know let's uh, let's bottle that first half um the way we played with the ball the way we were without the ball the goals we scored and uh, we move on to next week so that was Darren Davies there and I suppose the st- like the other player that was really heavily involved in the first half was Adam Taggart picking up a brace now the first one came from what I think was a very brave bit of play on his part attacking a long ball, I think it was from Alex Lopez, and if it wasn't, we'll just give him credit for it anyway, uh, where he, he had to deal with an onrushing Liam Reddy and a Perth defender, number four, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry, and It yeah. wasn't a great weekend for goalkeeping either with oh. rushing out off the line. More than wasn't just Liam Reddy who suffered that fate at the oh. weekend. Well, to be fair, week. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, Shane Lowry probably won't remember most of, most no. of this because, uh, yeah, Taggart managed to head the ball over the onrushing Reddy take control, and then finish beyond a sliding Dino Julbich. Shane Lowry, on the other hand, was lying motionless on the ground. It was a bit, of, good bit of composure from Taggart, but I suppose, like, take allegiance and whatnot out of it. How the hell was Lowry allowed to play on after getting knocked out? That's a very good question. They, he must have gone through some sort of test on the field, because there was quite a bit of a delay after the goal as well, but and you, it's I, an interesting one, because... Someone went off the field a couple of weeks ago. and With a concussion, yeah. they yeah. had like a two or three minute delay as he was being tested. Was it Riera? 
I think it might have actually. Yeah. Someone yeah. had. A, I know they did a test of someone on the field. Well, actually, what this just shows, you know, what sort of uh, state of mind Raw fans are in. I was sitting in uh, the section there, just going, "Can we please hurry up and get this test over? I don't want to give AR any more time to actually look at that and find a reason not to award a goal." Yeah, well, look, it's uh, yeah, you know, we've been very, very brave from the, to do that. But the, 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 I guess the one possibility they could have been it would have been, you know, yeah, the fact that there was a head clash, but obviously the ball was in the back of the net. Thankfully, by the time the referee realised and tried to stop the play, so yeah. But yeah. um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, yeah, it's look, it was a good piece of play by by Taggart and sort of you know good awareness, but not so great from Liam Reddy. I think he had that one back and. Surprising, it's not his worst worst effort either. <laughs> you joke, by the way, but I was half expecting the flag to go up for offside there. Yeah, just that, the way that fifty fifty calls remember, for yeah, the well, roar yeah. at Suncorp. That was actually right. You expect the flag to go I up. I had no concerns about offside. So yeah, was, you, you did say it to me in, in, in the press uh, box yeah. about that. It's like yeah, you two in the press box. I was down there yelling and screaming my head off. Oh, we were yelling and screaming too. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, we're we're our dinner. <laughs> All right, so then uh, yeah, take it out of the second one as well just before half time but then just before the hour mark the game really turned on a Daniel Bowles red card now yeah. before I get to you two I do want to throw to what Darren Davies had to say in the press conference after the game Mark it's a sending off it's a sending off I haven't got a problem with it it's a red card my question is is the first contact outside the box I believe so I think Bowles' hand has gone on his shoulder, outside of the box. That's where the foul occurs. It's sending off, no problem. It's a free kick. Do you agree? Well, yes, Darren. Actually, I do agree that it was a red card. What was frustrating, though, was the way that the whole passage of play unfolded. Like, while, yes, it did turn the game, I don't feel like Daniel Bowles deserves 100% of the blame yeah. for that. Before we even get into Daniel Bowles, let's look at Connor O'Toole as well. If he'd fouled him further up the field when he was running through, none of the rest of it would have happened. Was O'Toole on a yellow card? I don't know. Because that was the only thing that I could think of. Is Check. If O'Toole actually... I don't think he was. But I was wondering if O'Toole even, you know, at the time, you know, in the heat of the moment, you can forgive him for, for get, not being 100% certain. I, to, to be honest, yeah, like, there's a couple, a couple things about, like... I know what Darren Davies said, you know, questioning whether it was even, you know, it was even penalty. He was obviously okay with the red card. The one thing I question is, is a couple of things to that. Mainly, why did Daniel Bowles not try and challenge the ball? And also as well... I don't think he had not, position to. Yeah, but I think at least, tr- at least try. Because obviously, again, the reason why, and there was a lot of questions about, you know, the double jeopardy rule and whatnot, and simply because it was not a football tack- tackle. He just tried to barge him out of the way, which is why for the red card for last man. But also, so why do you not at least give Jamie Young a chance to, to you know, to try and stop him one-on-one? Well, well that, before you go yeah. into that, no, Connor at all didn't have a yellow card. Okay, fair enough. Um, I Yeah, that was actually my first thought was, like, we'd seen yeah. uh, Jamie Young pull off a spectacular one-on-one save yeah. against Andy Keogh, I'm pretty sure, earlier in the second half as well. So you could have, like, it's one of those things where you almost could have thought... Just let him have a shot. I almost questioned, um, like I said, the, the panic in Daniel Bowles. I think it's uh, being 2 0 up. Now, would you rather let take a chance with Jamie Young, try and save it one on one? If yeah. if he scores, but he knows he scores, you know, so what? It's 2 1. At least you got 11. You can, you can set five. But, you know, sacrifice like that. Yeah. I think it's poor situ- yeah. situational awareness yeah. of the game. Well, the one I thing I will that. actually say, in, I suppose, somewhat defensive Daniel Bowles, is chasing Kianese down. He 
absolutely tried to pull the shirt back, I'd say about 25 yards from goal, maybe yeah. even right on the edge of the box, and just couldn't get a grip on it. Now, we know it's Brisbane in summer, it's hot, it's sticky, maybe his hand slipped, and there was a little bit... No, of- I think I think that, that was... Um- in, and in Darren Davies' um, press conference, that was, I think, his question was, where did the foul commence? Because he, he's almost certain that the foul start, commenced outside the box, so whether it should have been a penalty. And that's what the Raw players were actually arguing mm. as, I forget the referee's name. Uh, it was What's Adam Kersey. Yeah, awarded the uh, foul in the box. They were saying, no, 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 I grabbed him outside yeah. the box. Now, look, I know they got rid of the triple punishment rule, you know, yeah. penalty, red card, goal, but... Yeah. Unfortunately, for a challenge like that, it is yeah. yeah. Like of that the is three still... options you had: option A, let let him go through for one-on-one; option two, make a football change; option three, do what he did. He chose the least smart option, shall we say? Yeah. Because if he even if he just like slid in, you, you might th- get a yellow card for that. But yeah. I actually because yeah, it's a footballing change, to a yeah. degree, you would have got away with it, but inside it, or outside. But I think it, the way I saw it unfold, it looked like it was. He was trying to make it a continuous motion of, I'm going to grab the shirt and pull him back. Hand slips, which then creates a new challenge yeah. in the box. So they're clearly... Like, if all he'd done is tried to pull him back, that wouldn't have been a foul. Yeah, but that, and that, look, that that may... Like, there's only one person that would know that that, ans- that answer, and I don't know if we'd be willing to ask, ask him to relive that, but maybe that was what he was playing. Yeah. He was trying to make that, cha- make that sort of that foul outside the box, which means... Look, it still could have been a red card, being last man, but maybe that's what it's trying to be. Instead, it's just capitulate even further. And, you know, a penalty, he gets red carded, and it was a triple punishment, basically. So go back to the start. There was mistakes made before it even got to Daniel Bowles. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where, look, I, I can guarantee in in that exact moment, Bowles would have gone, oh, that yeah. was a bad and that's, idea. And that's the important point. While we're sort of in the last couple of minutes, we've been critical of his mm. of his thinking, you know what, yeah. maybe we should also you know, cut him a bit of slack mm. and say, you know what, it should never yeah. gotten that point where he had to feel as though he had to sacrifice himself to save that, you know, the defence, just letting Kianese go through like the like the parting of the Red Sea, you know, that, that's not good defence either. And mm. from there, the Raw did set up, sorry, uh, Neil Kilkenny scored the penalty, and from there, the Raw set up to basically just preserve the game, which I suppose all things considered was actually, I'd call it the prudent move. I was a little bit surprised to see it happen because quite often you tend to see teams maybe say, all right, let's just wait five yeah. minutes. But no, that change was made straight away. On came Aaron Reardon. And, well, look. Before we get into Reardon, I will say I found it odd he took Daningham off. If you're looking to sit back and hit on the counter-attack, he would have thought the speed of Daningham running in behind would have been a valuable threat. I know he just... It would have been hard to take Bojack off then because he was playing so well. You can't take Dagestan off because he's just come on. But I actually would have I, taken Bojack off. Yeah, I think having Ingham's speed in behind might have been a valuable well, weapon. And also then having Ingham still on the pitch does give you the option to even play five at the back, three yeah. midfield, and I one striker. I was just thinking the exact same thing, that you, know, you, you push Jack Hingard in inside to play three centre-backs. And yeah, you have... Or Conor O'Toole. Yeah, or Con, yeah, even Conor O'Toole, even that. So, look, we're not trying to tell Darren Davies how to set up in that, in that situation because I'm sure... That w- they weren't prepared for that, but um, I am. I've done it on FIFA plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> I've accident, you know, accidentally gone I'm to sure, clear the I'm ball. I'm sure and... a few of us have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's but... that's where my managerial resume stops. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Aaron Reardon came on and look. The sooner he can put that thirty odd minutes out of his mind, the better, because it was not ideal. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough thirty minutes for him, obviously. But look. but look, that's what's going to yeah. happen when you've got a young player coming into an A League side and. 
if this is where I suppose also we'll talk about it a little bit more in segment yeah. four, but this is where you're going to see, I suppose, the mental character of someone like Reardon, where how quickly can he bounce back from the, it? The own goal was unlucky. The own that, goal that was that was just purely bad luck deflecting off him. The defending for the penalty handball was not fantastic. No. I, I understand he's trying to block the ball, but that's not. There's a way to do it, and that's not ideal. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe the referee missed it in the first place. By the way. Yeah, I know. I saw it and was thinking, oh, oh please don't, please have it missed, please have it missed, please. Have it. But anyway, unfortunately, yeah, that was the case. And then, so I want to fast forward, like, yeah, down three two, and you're thinking, oh god, oh god, oh god. I like there's one thing I actually noticed from where I was. You could see Davies on the sideline. First thing he said when they went down three two, told Jacob Pepper to push into midfield, so and go to three at the back, and that's where the fourth goal came from. So. He also I, went. Wenzel Halls was about to enter the game as well, and he quickly changed that substitution to Enrique as well. So. Yes. So I think there was like, there was still a clear desire to try and chase the game as yeah. well. So at least like, there was a lot more positivity there in that ability to chase the game. But look, that last half half hour just sucked. Yeah. There's there's no sugarcoating that. And look, that's what's going to happen when you're playing a league leading side. And a little bit of patting myself on the back here. I did actually say at the start of the season I thought the Popovich effect would be, you know, huge for glory at the start of, at the start of the year. I hate being right all the time. Just like, that that sucked. It was a kick in um, a very unfortunate area. I think it's the podcast friendly way to say that. Yeah. Uh, look at the end of the day, it's just a couple of things. Um, like just on Aaron Reed and um, look, I think it's quite unfair. You know the way sort of you know the fans are sort of have, you know, in a way sort of reacted negatively to his performance, you know, look, get a grip. He's, he's you know, it's his, his, his second game, his first start as a professional, like, it's an unfortunate situation, I shouldn't say second start, but he come on in, in his second game and, you know, it's just unfortunate the way it's, it, it happens. So, look, the thing is, it's sort of a hypocrisy in a way that's been bantering, bantering around about, oh, you know, Give you a chance, give you a chance. You are going to make mistakes like this. You know, they may be game-changing mistakes, but at the end of the day, you know what? This is what we wanted, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's, it's, you, but then you can't, you can't then turn around and say, oh, you know, drop him because, you know, oh, he's no good. Well, how do you know? Can we bookmark this for segment four? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. Just, I want to get that off the chest that's now. Okay. So. No, a little bit, yeah. That's it. Like yeah. That's what you're going to get with young players, yep. inconsistency as they learn, but then that's where... That's, yep. you've, you've got to, you're not going to learn from just having good games. That's yeah. all I'll yeah. say on that. All right, well, look, that was depressing to relive. Let's hope for a happier segment too where we talk about... Oh, God, I just looked at the run sheet of the Socceroos. We'll be back after this. <laughs> this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here, and we continue to review Sunday's um, disappointment, shall we say? And hey, talk that's about one of the easy use off here. <laughs> no, no, we're still trying to keep. You should have just called it that. It was. <laughs> it fits perfectly. Nah, we want Angela to keep the record for a bit longer. She's very proud of it. <laughs> that's it. All right, so we're going to review the Socceroos in the Asian Cup, and look, we all thought that it was going to be a real big challenge for Australia in their opening game against Jordan. I just didn't think it was going to be that much of a challenge to the point where they would lose 1-0. Playing so poorly as well. They no. the, it wasn't great, was it? They were Not flat. just the result, the whole thing was a disaster. They were flat, yeah. And all the concerns about where the Socceroos were going to score 
turned out to be valid. Yeah, look, that's the thing is you can you can cop a one nil loss where you know they play well and maybe you know Jordan you know you smash and grab style sort of got, but they never look like scoring. And that's a yeah. other than other than our mobile hitting the post late in the game, even then that was a bit of a you know a bit of a hit, hit and hope. They never look like scoring, and that and that and that's sort of the disappointing thing about it. So I, to be honest, yeah. I'm actually more disappointed with the soccer performance I am about the raw. The tactics were rubbish. I mean, you've got Jamie McLaren in there. He's five foot nothing. We've seen at the Raw, he cannot head the ball. He cannot score from a header. And you're putting in ridiculously overhit crosses to him. I and mean, if you're going to play that way, just throw Yanu in. I don't rate Yanu at all. But if you're going to play these ridiculous crosses, at least put someone in there with a bit of height who can head the ball. Well, also, all these crosses against a side that is just loading up the box. Like, yeah. take McLaren out of it. We've seen it at the Raw as well. You remember when, like, even back to the Ange days, when it was just as simple as... Let's just keep crossing the ball in, no matter what. Even when it was like Sergio Van Dijk's striker, we've seen that so many times. Where it's just, if you're going to crowd the box, yeah. you've got to do something. Like that's where you probably need yeah. someone like a Tom Rogic or someone to give them a reason to try and spread out a little bit. Yeah, they do. But Rogic needs to actually deliver for the Socceroos for once, because he again had a disappointing game in a big match where he was supposed to lead the creative line, but he needs to lift. I think we're going to credit Jordan because Jordan, I think, provided a real blueprint on how you beat this Socceroos team. You you be defensively well organised, you keep your discipline, and you prepare for the aerial bombardment. If you can do that, you're going to get you're going to be well in the game against them. Yeah, if I if I didn't know better, I think you know, they got the intel wrong almost. As if that you know that this sort of you know bombing in, crossing, crossing, and trying to sort of out mountain muscle teams in Asia. Yeah, that may work for the East Asian teams, but the Middle East and West Asian teams are a completely different animal. And look, they, they've got the ability, they're, they're well-organised defensively, as we saw with Jordan. They can pack the box and, get, and give them no chance. And the only times that the soccer even looked dangerous was when they were passing it and sort of actually going yeah. at the def- at the defence and actually keeping it on the yeah. ground. But there was very, very little. And this is just ridiculous. As you, as, as you put the bombardment of crosses... You know, it just was, tactically, it was just off completely. And it was one of those ones where nobody seemed to want to take any sort of ownership and go, yep, all right, we need to change something. Like, that's surely where a Mark Milligan or Trent Sainsbury needs to maybe talk to one of the midfielders and go, well, actually, Mark Milligan was in midfield. Like, surely that's where he needs to say, hey, guys, I know this is what our instruction is, but maybe we want to try and go for a plan B, a plan C, a plan F, plan Q, I think whatever. Where the injuries also hurt them with all the players injured and, of course, in the boot picking up an injury in the last training session as well. I think mm. their options were kind of limited, so I do understand to a certain extent. But, but even so, like, we again, I'm just going to go back to our first season doing this show where we kept seeing Jamie McLaren being targeted with all of these, I suppose, hopeful crosses and just, you know, the guys like Nigel Bugard, Lachlan Jackson just going, no, we're bigger than you, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I don't know, I just. He scored one. I think one header that season, didn't he? Because we made a big deal about it yeah. when he actually did. Yeah, I think you did a little dance, actually. I might have. <laughs> but that being said, though, like, you've got Jamie McLaren. Why not try and play passes that suit yeah. Jamie McLaren's style? We've seen him make so many phenomenal runs in behind. Yeah. Awan Mobile, I feel like, can do that sort of Brandon Barello role. Yeah. You make a great point. J- Jamie McLaren would have been perfect for Jordan. The way Jordan set up to play the game, he would have been perfect for them. All the space running in behind, that would have people had a field day. For playing for Jordan on Sunday night, that's the if they're going to use McLaren, that's the, you're right. That's the sort of run he set up. He needs to have. I mean, he's not a target man. As much as Graham loves a target man, if you're going to play with a target man, you can't have Jamie McLaren. 
If you're going to have Jamie McLaren, you can't play as a target man. But also, like, I suppose just, look, since we're all just ranting about team selection now, I want to keep this going and say, why not play Jamie McLaren with two strikers? You brought yeah. in, like, Apo Giano, Giano. Yeah. Like, why not just say, all right, go up front, knock balls down to the likes of, like, the on-rushing McLaren, Mobile, who, by the way, yeah. he is really good. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. the one positive you can take out yeah. of this game. He belongs in the Socceroos. <laughs> I know. Adam Sorry, did I, did I really say <coughs> there, Scott? No, I know Adam wants to speak. I'll say, he did bring on Jackson Irvin to be that target man. I found that odd. Because he pushed really forward to be that target man. I actually found don't that mind odd. that, because Irvine's shown the ability to... Yeah, you can just mute your microphone. Or... Anyway, <laughs> while Scott's busy off yeah. choking there, Adam, why don't you give us your th- thoughts on that? Yeah, look, um, yeah, look, it just comes back to, I just think, the game. if there was a game plan, if there was one at all, which didn't get thrown out with Naboo, um, yeah, he, he was ruled out. Um, yeah, look, I, look, I agree that, you know, Jamie McLaren, I think in this setup, he would be more effective if he was playing, you know, on the shoulder of another striker. Uh, but yeah, he, he was just, it was just utilised all wrong. And yeah, it's, it was a, it was a sort of a naff thing to forget in LA, unfortunately. Yeah, I can't believe I stayed up for that, having to start work at four o'clock the next morning. It was fun watching it across the road from Suncorp, so that was great fun. Yeah, shout out to Newstead Brewing. Yeah. Are, we yeah. Allowed, are we allowed to? Yeah, yeah that's right. We're not yeah, a community not... radio anymore. <laughs> <laughs> shout out anyone you want now. Yeah. Within no, no, reason. That's great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are some uh, places around here that wouldn't want to be associated with me. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Um, yeah, it was It was about as bad a start as you get. And you could tell maybe 10, 15 minutes in, it had a bit of that feel to Oman 2007. It did, actually. Mm. Very similar. So then, of course, we didn't have Tim Cahill to come on and save us this time. Yeah, that's right. But, ah, uh, yeah. It was disappointing. I was say, are, are people genuinely that surprised, though? Because Jordan have really almost owned the Socceroos, particularly in the Middle East in two recent times. Two wins in the Middle East, now three. Yeah, they, and two wins for Australia in Australia. Yeah. And again, I'll, I went home and actually watched the pre-match show of this. And again... The guys on Fox, when are they going to stop underestimating Asian football? Saying it's going to be a comfortable, easy, almost just drubbing, basically, they were saying. It's going to be that sort of result. Can we stop it now, please? Spe- Asian spe- football especially is, in, the, in yeah. the Middle East. Asian football is better than people in this country want to admit. And they invest a heck of a lot of money. Teams like Vietnam, etc., Jordan, all these nations are spending so much money on their, their footballing programs and their leagues. We're not. You look at all these te- all these so-called smaller nations in Asia improved the last decade. Our league stayed the same. Yeah, well, it's they've improved and we're stayed still. So the gap is narrowed. It's it's really not that big a surprise that the Asian nations are, are improving against us. Yeah, abs- I don't know if the A League's gone backwards. No, no, I said the national team. Oh yeah, mm. no, no, the A the League I still think is is there and about. I still still think yeah. in, within Asia it's probably in the, in, you know, the top you know six or seven leagues. Yeah. But the national team itself, the the pool of players yeah. that we have to pick on compared to what other nations have to pick on. Mm. Um, look, I actually think we've gone backwards. And don't forget, 2014 qualifying, we had to leave it till the very last day at home against Iraq to secure our spot. 2018, if Al Som hits the inside of the post, not the outside, we don't even get to Honduras. And the good news. It's is there getting, is Syria coming yeah. up soon? It's we're not as strong in Asia as people like to think. Yeah, I think it is a closer matchup as well, especially when you're playing on their on their turf. Yeah. It's like, well, what's the old thing? You know, who wins a fight between a lion and a shark? Well, is that fight taking place on the land or in the sea? Because yeah. yeah, when we get these teams in Australia, sorry, when we get these no, teams in Australia, they they struggle to make they struggle to travel here. Which is why our record is so good. But over there, it is a much more fifty-fifty kind yeah, of. Yeah, no, battle. I was going. I was going exactly 
make that point that you know if if it's in Australia, it's a different story. Then I'd be then Graham Arnold could make we make comments like oh I, that we should beat them comfortably and you know and 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 show that confidence mm. over there. You've got to play the conditions, and even though it's the middle of winter over there, it's still a different place to play in the, the Middle East. The sweat stains on the uniforms say otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's cool by Middle Eastern standards. Yeah, which is why the tournament has to be in January. Anyway, <laughs> look, we could rant on this for another 25, 30 minutes, but for mm. the listeners' sake, mm. we're going to move on to Friday night when the Socceroos take on Palestine. Now, I know we've just gone on and on and on about, you know, you've got to respect mm. your opponent and everything, but surely this is one they've got to win by two or three at the very least. If they're going to beat anybody well, that's on a margin, it'll be Palestine. Although they are also, I believe, ranked either just inside or outside the top 100. So they're not they're not some absolute mugs that we yeah. can't, can just assume we're going to beat, but really, they should. Yeah. Well, I was looking at some stats at work, and did you know that the Socceroos have played Palestine five times, including a 7-5 win at one point, and the last meeting was a 4-4 draw. Do you know when all these matches took place? That's Probably in the late 70s. 1939. Oh, wow. According to the uh-huh. website that I was uh, looking up mm. earlier this afternoon, five matches in five weeks in 1939. Interesting. Before things uh, went a little bit sour yeah. on the international stage. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, just some interesting mm. trivia. Now, I suppose changes is the first thing we've got to talk mm. about. Now, Tom Rogic apparently has a broken bone in his hand. That's not going to stop him playing. So Celtic will be happy with that, I'm sure. Yeah. Paging Chris Sutton for his thoughts right now. Yeah, well, anyway. That's right, Chris Sutton did it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please. He couldn't find the UAE on a a map if he spotted him, uh, the U and the A. Anyway, changes. So, would you bring Apugiano in for this? No. I would... I would just stick with McLaren and actually get him some proper service that suits him. I would would rest, quote-unquote, Rogic for this game, bring Amini in. I think you probably get something more out of him anyway, to be honest, the way Rogic played on the weekend. I'm glad you brought up Amini, because that was a point that I wanted to mention about five minutes ago, and I'm glad you reminded me of it. Amini is one of those guys who I feel like has been let down either by decisions or by development. I honestly yeah. feel like Amini is one of those players who should be, if not starting every Socceroos match, should at least be in contention every week. Yeah, he's the one who's, again, stagnated with... Maybe not the greatest of career choices when he left Central Coast Mariners, really, when you think about it. But he's got something to offer in that side. And again, I don't think Rogic is in great form for the Socceroos. I know he does terrifically well for Celtic, but when has he had a good game for Australia? I can't think of one. Yeah, I really can't Aaron think Moy. of one. Moyes had a couple of good games in Asian Cup qualifying, but but Rogic, I really can't think Rogic of too has many had good some games. Good games, but they've all come against very low-level yeah. opponents. We haven't. I honestly still can't remember a time where I've seen Aaron Moy, who. He's probably the Socceroos' best player. Say, yep, I'm the best player on the pitch. We're winning this. Don't worry about it. Same as Tom Rogic as well. But. I think I saw it once. I think that was against uh, Bangladesh and Perth. Tom Rogic? No, no, I'll talk Darren Moyes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Tom Rogic, no, no, you're right. I, ha- I haven't seen him dominate. You you see flashes of brilliance, but that's about it. And it, Tom Rogic needs to be that player. And I think this is the perfect stage for him to you know, to step up and be that main man. And you know, so far, he is uh, on the limelight. And move to a bigger league than Scotland. Yeah. All right, quick predictions for uh, Friday night's late show. Australia against Palestine? Uh, look, I think, uh, I think the Socceroos can win. Um, I think they need to respect their opposition, but also it's redemption time. They'll win, but it won't be as big a margin as people think. I think they're going to win, but I think they're going to have the same sort of problems that they faced yeah. against Jordan, facing a packed defense. Because we should also mention, Palestine did draw with Syria in their yeah. tournament mm. opener. So there is that to be concerned about as well. 
Alright, that's going to do it for segment two. We'll be back with the news and W League preview right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here, and we're back on our regular Wednesday recording schedule, so that means we should probably get into segment three with news and W League preview, starting with Marco Monteverde's story uh, that came out earlier today, with David Pure and Petrodinovic off to Indonesia to discuss a new coach with the Bakri group. Yes, they're off to figure out which direction they want to go with in that search. I think there's something like 100 odd candidates who put their name into the ring, so there's a fair few CVs for... Dave and Pedge to sort through for sure. Mine should be pretty easy to find. It's written in crayon. Mine's the footy manager one, so... <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't bother. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll hire you as our uh, assistant. Yeah, no I, I, haven't, I haven't played uh, football manager since the EA Sports series back a long time ago, so I'm probably, I'm probably retired from that sphere. That's it. Well, I suppose overall, there is actually a really big range of options for the Raw to go with. Like, You can go from anything with the... Local coach that does seem to have quite a bit of, um, I suppose, at least online support with the likes of, you know, Warren Moon or Ben Khan or whatever. You can also go for, you know, the experienced A-League coach who's been around a few times, which I think is, we're all in agreement, is for us the least desirable option Mm -hmm. that we want to see. What's interesting then, though, is you go for an Australian overseas, like we ran through the candidates before, but like someone like a Harry Kuehl, who I actually would love to see get a bit of a crack, even if it is just as a short-term option to, I suppose... Add another bow to his resume. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm alone say, on that. Yeah, yeah, I know you're alone on that. I'm. Look, no, no disrespect to Harry Kuehl, but I think, like I said, the situation requires, for, for mine, anyways, this is solely my opinion. The situation requires, at the moment, an experienced coach to get to guide the to guide the, the club through the next couple of years. I think. Look, I think with Harry Kuehl, you know, I don't think he's looking to make a career as a coach in the A League. I think he obviously, because his notoriety and sort of his name recognition, he'd be obviously wanting to get back to England or anywhere on the continent of Europe, you know, and, and he'd be only just using this as a stepping stone. I just don't think at the moment that's right for this club. I think he's um, family's well set up over in the UK as well. So I, I'm probably, I've, I'm not 100% sure that he would actually take it, if offered anyway, depending on what offers were there, for there from the UK. I would, I don't even know if it has to be experienced coach either. This has to be the right coach. I know it sounds obvious, but it's more about finding the right coach who fits in with the way you want to play going forward. Particularly if they are looking to switch back to the old raw style, quote-unquote. I've been thinking about this since well, since we last did our show on Friday. I think for me, you actually need someone whose main strength is recruitment. I feel like overall, that's what let John Aloisi down, is just not being able to find the right fits necessarily. But for me, the big thing is also, you've got 16 players off contract. You've got Pedradinovic, who is, you know, brought in as the quote-unquote contracts expert. I want to see if, like, Find a coach that says, all right, we're going to play this way. These are the players I want. Because, look, you go back and we're always going to hold Ant Postacoglu as a benchmark. Why not maybe give... What's the right way to put it? Like, the one thing that really worked out well for Ant was he made, what was it, 12 signings in his first off-season with the Raw. And how many of those just, you know, absolutely nailed it? I think the only one who didn't quite work out was Rocky Visconti, and that was largely injury dependent. I mean, and he did win that crucial corner. He, he had an impact time. to play as well, but it probably was earmarked for a more important role than he ended up having. But you mentioned recruitment. I mean, does Mar- Marco Kurz came in the league, didn't understand recruitment around the league, and he's done pretty well. 
So I don't necessarily think they have to be great at recruitment as long as they know visa players. If it's an overseas coach, you have to understand which visa players you want to bring in. That's the that's really what wins in the A League. If your visa players are the right players, you go really well. If they're not, you struggle a little bit. That's fair. Yeah, no, look, that's look. I just think with the recruitment, yeah, you know, it almost begs a question about you know Petrodinovich's role with with the club. Now we don't know too much, you know. You know, to what extent? Because again, Aloisi in the Adelaide Tunnel. Yeah, that's, that's one. That's I think it's one that's done. He did pretty well. That's actually. good man management skills. If you can yeah, but um, he's a people person. Yeah, but yeah, look, that's the thing is, that does beg the question that you know, do do you need a you know, a football director that you know someone that takes the pressure off off the um off the coach? You know, that actually does does the recruiting. You know, is that is that where it needs to go? Because I know there's obviously a lot of clubs around the world that that do that, where it's not necessarily obviously the coach will have some input, but in the day, the football director is the one that is sort of doing the recruiting. Mm-hmm. I. I don't know if there's a scope for that, given you know sort of the nature of the A League, but maybe that's where it is. Because like I said, I think I think you guys are right. Though. I think the recruiting, I think going forward is probably the most important thing. And I think now will be the time with expansion teams coming in the next couple of years, which means there's going to be a little, more, little bit more player movement. Um, maybe it's a time where you know a clean out, get the get you know players on the ground that you know that fit in a certain style and and go from there. I would be very very happy if. Like with so many players coming off contract and the chance for a rebuild, I'll be very happy if we got to that first preseason friendly and I spent most of the game going, "Who's that guy in number whatever?" Well, the first preseason game under range was really interesting because there was a bunch of trialists. I mean, do you think back? He played like eighteen preseason games that year. I think he played literally the whole of the old Queensland yeah. State League at the time, just every single week, just Good playing one team show. after the other. And there were a lot of trialists. I mean, that's where he came up with James Meyer. Just plucked him out of the... I think he was playing at East at the time, just brought him in, played him at right back, actually, and he, he fit the system so well that Ange signed him. So I wouldn't be... I would like to see whoever it is also get here quite early and do something similar. Yeah. And just trial players, just bring players... Because I remember they brought in more than a couple of players from overseas for a couple of games before they ended up settling on the players they went with. Certainly. So we're, we've got a bit of a, I suppose, list of qualities we want in the new manager. Obviously, it's going to be a case of how many of those boxes they tick, and look, at the end of the day, whoever it is is going to be judged on whether or not they win. Now, Carl Dodd uh, was a name that was thrown about uh, late last week, and boy, did it get some fun reactions online. Yeah, not not, um, not all good, actually. I think the majority were the negatives, so... um... I did actually like... You know how in the internet there's always a joke of people only read the headline of the story and react to that? Yeah, I think they actually thought he signed. Yeah, there were people who didn't even read the headline. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Like emerges as possible front runner, that doesn't mean he's signed. Yeah. Read, it is not that hard. It also came from Dave Lewis at SBS, who has not yeah, the greatest Aloisi... of track records, by uh, the way. How's the Aloisi brothers' contract going down in uh, Adelaide, or how's James <laughs> McLaren going with? I forget how many countries he'd signed in. He's been having a great season as the marquee of the West Sydney Wanderers, Jamie McLaren. Yeah, that's, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that, but like I said, I think that they, they did get a reaction, and not a great one. I, I, I dare say, look at the end of the day, you don't you don't base it on, um, on obviously what the feedback is on social media, but yeah, I think at the moment, no, Carl Dodd's numbers are probably. Uh, pretty low at the moment, which which is strange because a lot of people that know him think that he'd be a good yeah. fit. But I think he's actually an interesting candidate. He started off at Western Pride, obviously went to the Raw as strength and conditioning coach. Now he's coaching over in at the national level in Guam. He's improved himself, obviously. He's put himself out there and taken some interesting jobs to improve his coaching ability. I think he's 
if not, I don't know if he's the perfect candidate, but he's certainly worth consideration. He's worth a second look. Yeah. And one of his big, uh, I suppose, supporters has been, is it Jesse Daly? We, uh, all, all the yeah. all the Western, all the um, sort of the younger players like Jesse Day's been one. I know Cam Cristani actually. I know was on social media as well backing him. Like a lot of a lot of the, especially a lot of guys that have links with Western Pride, be it uh, before or currently, all have sort of said, "No, he would be a good choice." So, but then also then the the Twiniverse has sort of said, "Well, <laughs> no, not really." So, I would honestly say, yeah. if you're going to back one or the other, back the guys that know him. Yeah, like they're the footballers, yeah. so. Yeah. And they're the ones that know what it's like to work under him. Yeah. So, I suppose, look, he doesn't have the name recognition, but you could do a lot worse than Carl Dodd. I actually, I actually think the problem is he does have ra- yeah. name recognition, and it's probably not in the, held in the best not light. Not as a manager, I suppose. More. I, I, I actually think people actually may have even mistaken him for his brother, for starters. But also as well, I think he's just an unfashionable player, former player. Now, whereas I think people, there's some people out there that would rather a player that is very fashionable. Do you think any of the ex-players are getting a little bit of a, I suppose, bad rap at the moment because of the sour taste left from the end of the Aloisi era? Possibly, but also Carl Dodd's playing days at the Raw was so long ago. Yeah. Really. He remembers Miro yeah. Bleiberg. He does. I think I think we need to also remind people that don't know that Warren Moon actually played for the Raw in their inaugural season. Yeah, you oh. love watching those uh, photos from the early years. And oh, see what... they're great. <laughs> they're great. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Mackay looking so young. And... Did you have frosted tips back then? I don't think so. Yeah. 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 Jason Davidson uh, had those on Sunday yeah. night. Looking I think like the, only the, the, the only boys. one that hasn't changed that photo is Dazzles, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and I think uh, I should probably say happy birthday to Dazzles from last month yeah. as well. Anyway. Yes, you should. Uh, moving on, the Raw W League are back in action after yes. a long break this weekend. So, yes. we should talk about their first half of the Melbourne City doubleheader Friday afternoon. It's about 4.30 Brisbane time, I believe, kickoff is. Something like that. There I there. haven't checked, actually, to be honest with you. And so, we'll go with that. Yeah. We're going to mention this coming up in uh, segment four, but the Raw W League don't have a great record at Amy Park, or against, in Melbourne against Melbourne City either. Played 7, won 1, lost 5, drawn 1. And, uh, overall, yeah. and in Melbourne, it's played 4, won 0, lost 3, drawn 1. Was that, that, was that 1 drawn? Was that the, the semi-final? No, it was nil all last year. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, and... Oh, I see, that, that, that counts yeah. as a loss. I count that as a loss, yeah, oh, but this right. is actually almost the um, last chance saloon for Melbourne City, the three-time defending champions. They don't actually beat the Raw on, on Friday afternoon slash evening, whatever it is. They might actually be out of the race, Woo-hoo. which would be... A big surprise given the talent that they have. And for the Raw, they also need to win because they're sitting in fourth, but there's a real logjam there around that part of the table with Canberra and Sydney not far behind them. And so they actually need to keep winning as well to secure their spot in the finals because the results last week when they had their bye did not go their way. Well, they can't have all the breaks go their no. way, but... It's still in their hands, but it, the margin of error is much lower. Certainly. All right. So the big question for this game, Adam, is it's the first game in a while. Thank you, autocorrect on the run sheet. Are we expecting a bit of a slow start, or should they come out fresh and firing? If form, if form is to is to be sort of followed, you know, for other teams to come off the bye, it's not looking promising. You know, and I, and I would hope, and I'll probably, I'd almost bet that you know that Mel Andretta would be probably, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that he that that she would um, be sort of aware of that and actually you know get uh, get them out to a fast start because it, this is this is a very crucial game and also also as well there might be um, spots up for grabs because the story that came out last night is um, Chi Uga 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 Uga
Uh, the Lionesses. The Lionesses, yes, uh, for a training camp in Qatar of all places. So she'll miss um, the Sydney FC game at Lions and perhaps the doubleheader at... Um, a Suncorp against Canberra as well, depending on her travel schedule. So, look, there's a good chance for one of the younger players to, you know, they're going to need to sort of step up because they've got to step in, in you know, the next couple of weeks. Certainly. Also, we've got um, Katrina Gorries out for the season. Yeah, we her mentioned injury, that last week. But she's out. And also, I'm not sure if Jenna McCormick is available or not, if she's going back to Adelaide for AFLW or not. Haven't stay, Jenna, stay. <laughs> haven't heard either way, so we'll probably find out when the squads come out tomorrow you, or Thursday when you're listening to this, whether or not Jenna's still available or not. Because mm. if not, you're looking at probably Summer O'Brien in at centre-back for well, this game as well. I suppose the one thing that gives you a little bit of confidence there is if there's one thing the Raw W League has, it's depth. Yeah, no, like, and that's why it shouldn't be panic stations. And, and Mel just said that in her in her press conference when we are up at, at Redcliffe is that, you know, that... It is no, they do have depth, and that they're always competing for positions. So you want to hope that that competition for places is going to serve them well. And also, I suppose with one other point to make is, you know, you do obviously you can lose players mid-season with injury, as we've seen with Gory, but at least with McCormick leaving, you've been able to plan for this since the day she signed. Yeah, also, one other thing, I was just looking up the raw off their buy earlier in the season. They beat Newcastle one nil away from home. There so. we go. All right, uh, one last point we should also touch on. A crucial game for the Raw Youth League. They travel to Adelaide, 6.30pm Queensland time. The Raw currently leads City in Conference A yep. with by one point with two to play. Melbourne City play Perth on Sunday afternoon, so the Raw yep. really need a win in this yep. game. City came back from two goals down to beat Melbourne Victory in the du- Melbourne Derby on Saturday afternoon, I think it was, and that obviously now brings Melbourne City right back into the race for that. So what was looking quite comfortable is now the margin of error again is gone. They're going to have to go and win the last two games to secure a spot in the grand final, which well, they're more than capable of doing, by the way. Absolutely. Unless, I think. unless, Perth, unless they win, Perth does, does them a favour yeah. on Sunday. But at this stage, you don't want to be relying on other results. It's still in their hands. It's, That's uh, the big thing. Yep. It's an interesting thing to see who actually plays because obviously since their last game in the Youth League, there's a number of players who've graduated to the first team. So there's been a little bit of change at Brisbane Raw. Just a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see who actually plays for the Raw in this game as well. There's some good young talent there, though. There's no doubt about that. Certainly. All right. So... We're going to recap all those games on next Wednesday's show, but for now we're going to take a break and come back to preview the A-League Clash with Melbourne City this Friday night. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on a Wednesday evening, and... For our final segment of this show, uh, we're going to talk about the A-League clash against Melbourne City coming up this Friday at 6.50pm Queensland time. Clashes. Clashes. There's two games before our next show. Oh, God, there is. Never mind me. I've lost complete track of what day is what. Anyway, let's go into the first clash against the Melbourne side. Talk about Melbourne City. Uh, head-to-head, played 27-1-10, lost 12, drawn 5. In Melbourne, oi. <laughs> Played 12, won one, lost eight, drawn three. Boy, aren't we confident about this. The Raw haven't beaten City away since their first meeting in Melbourne in round 15 of the 2010-11 season. This year, City won 1-0 in extra time in the FFA Cup and round five, Brisbane 2, Melbourne City 0 at Suncorp Stadium in what was the Raw's only A-League win of the competition so far. So there is hope. Yes, this is their, their bunnies, basically. <laughs> Not the sort of bunnies I'm used to, but that's a... Uh, that is a very different... Clip that up for next week's show. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, remember last season, semi down in Melbourne? That was uh, interesting. And I actually worked out looking it up early this afternoon. Connor O'Toole played centre-back for the Roar in that game. I've kind of blanked that game from my memory for a few reasons. One, the result, and two, that was the week after the Commonwealth Games when I was still recovering. Yeah, I was still recovering from that. So I've, and also the I've day forgotten all about that quit. game. Also, oh, was two, that's what we were talking about, that in the... Because I was watching, grilled, yeah. bef- like, beforehand, waiting to meet up with you guys with yeah. Pig and Whistle, and actually the other reason why I can't remember a lot of that game was a lot of people at the pub just thinking, I know, I'm going to walk right in front of the big screen. <laughs> And me being short as I am made it very, very difficult to see. But I take short people problems. <laughs> the one thing that won't happen, Lisa Stefan Mork, you know, scoring because he he did score in that semi final. And he's apparently out with a he groin is injury. Out, yeah. Yes, apparently. A shame, really. It'd be mm. nice to see him pop up with another goal. Mm. All right. Down that end too. In front. <laughs> First and foremost, we need to get into the important stuff. Daniel yep. Bowles obviously suspended one match per the uh-huh. MRP. I think he's accepted that ban, so he will be absent. Question is then, who plays centre-back alongside Jacob Pepper? You've got three options. You've got Aaron Reardon, who would be my pick. Let him bounce back. Mm-hmm. Two, Connor O'Toole, who did it obviously in last season's semi-final. And three, Luke... Um, no, that De- guy's not, not an option. Not an option. That's right. Well, actually, one thing I'm very, very uh, happy to hear from... Was it uh, Sunday night's press conference, Adam? Mm-hmm. You asked Aaron Davies about what the status of Luke Devere was, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, Luke is always in uh, in consideration, as you put it. So, Luke's available. Um, he's fit. He's training well, and um, and we'll pick a side that we think is going to win the next game. So, I suppose that's a little bit of an answer to the question of where is Luke Devere now? He's played two youth league games, and he will have only played two youth league games unless he's planning on featuring in Adelaide on Saturday evening. They'll still be after the game on Friday night, though. Yes, I know. I'm just. I'm guessing that I'm guessing Syrian has played what 180 minutes of football this season. Probably won't be able to back up and play 180 yeah. minutes in the space of 24 hours. Back to your initial question: Who should play centre back on Friday night? I'm going to go with Aaron Reardon as well because, yes, he had a really rough game on Sunday night, but this could be the making of him. Right, if a young player, if he comes in and stands up tall here, it could be the best thing that ever happens to him. And I, I think that the way City are up front, I don't think there is. So not as dangerous as Perth are with Keogh and Castro and Kianese. So I think it's a good opportunity to put him in and let I, him get some confidence. I, 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 let him build a confidence up. He's a good defender. He can. Mm. He's a very good young defender, and he's something that he can play. He can. He can play. Am I allowed to answer some more than one word? Unlike on the you pre- can on say the many, I asked you for a one-word <laughs> answer on Sunday. But I, I failed miserably. This, because we, this time, you're not actually also trying to rush yeah. off for the soccer. That's, yeah. so that's a good point. You, no, can, elaborate you can have that. a whole essay here if you nah. like. Nah, look, uh, look, I just think simply, um, look, yeah, I, agree, I agree with Scott. You know, at the end of the day, um, Aaron Reardon, is, I, I don't think you do him any favours by making him relive that by by paint, almost punishing by dropping him, you know. Look, you know, and he's, he's a young he's a young player. Look, I'm I'm certain that he'll bounce back. You know, and I think I think the, the like I said, you're better off you know letting him make the mistake and trying to redeem himself mm-hmm. rather than letting Wallow on the bench or even you know sending him to Adelaide on mm-hmm. on Saturday night. So uh, it's yeah, I think. For me, and I just go. I I think the whole hyperbole about Luke Devere and all that, you know, the, the, the facts remain. Which we have solved the argument you're on. The facts remain. He has played 180 minutes of youth football over the last six months. Hardly the preparation going into an A League in an A League game of any nature will know this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
I, I suppose for me, the other centre-back option that hasn't actually been mentioned, because I only just thought of it right now, Thomas Christensen. You remember the experiment to try and turn him into a centre-back last season? Oh, whoa. Well, it actually went okay in the preseason. Then they when, played three at the back with against Victory. That didn't work so well. That, yeah. yeah, that yeah. was a bit of an eye-opener. And I think he got injured that night as well and was out for the next three months almost. The other one you mentioned, O'Toole in at centre-back. I'm not sure about that either because you talked about Luke Devere's played 180 minutes of youth football for the season. So too is Stefan Negro. Sorry, no, he's played three games. He played one over in Perth. So, yeah. again, you're looking at a player who hasn't played a lot of football being thrown in at the back. I would probably prefer that than Luke Devere, but either is not a great option. And I feel like O'Toole's getting more and more comfortable every week as he plays left back. So why why ruin that momentum? Agreed. And also just remember that he did come off the bench in the A-League as well. So he has a solid five minutes, whatever it was, as well. Yeah. Sorry, I was just... I blanked there for a second. My bad. That being said, though, I suppose, just from a sheer numbers perspective, look, we've gone over the Luke Devere debate a lot. I'd actually almost be at the point where, if he is fit and available, as Darren Davies said, could you, like, should he be on the bench at least? Oh, look, I think he, he if we're out of options, um, look, probably he probably should. But then again, you know, is he a sort of player you stick on the bench? You know, is he a, is he a player that I, I don't recall too many, you know, appearances where he's he's been on the bench and come on for the last five ten minutes? You know, yeah, that's right. Well, for me, I just I'd say you'd almost have to put him there because in an absolute worst case scenario, I'd rather throw Luke Devere on for a second half. If worst case scenario, you know, someone pulls a hamstring, someone you know gets a little bit sore or just can't go on. I'd rather throw Luke Devere on for 45 minutes than have to put together a makeshift backline because yeah, yeah Melbourne City can still trouble it you. It depends how you want to look at it because if you want an actual centre back there as cover, yes. If you want a more versatile defender who can maybe play more different roles, Stefan Negro is probably the option for that. It just depends on what sort of cover you want on your bench. I would say minimise the disruption there. In that situation, like say, like say Pepper takes a head knock or something, yeah. I'd rather put... Devere in there uh, in a pinch because that way you're only changing one position rather than saying, all right, O'Toole, you go to centre-back, Reardon, you move across, and then you put Steph Negro at left-back. Yep. I I just feel like that's probably the more streamlined manner. Yeah, you're right, because you just move Dane Ingham back to full-back for the game. That does make more sense, yeah. Yeah, and as we said, Dane Ingham on the right wing, that's also the mm-hmm. other thing as well. He's looking really good like, that should forward. be an absolute last resort moving Dane him back to I think his days are right back are over as far as I'm concerned you know, I can think... he change his jersey number from number two then <laughs> no Daniel, Daniel Brim was number two and he was a striker so I know that bugged me too <laughs> it's like when William Gallas wore number ten as a centre back <laughs> anyway you know OCD moments aside hmm. I just feel like now is almost the point where you've got to throw him in I don't. I honestly still don't know exactly what Luke Devere is capable of, but I'd rather have him there as cover and not need him than be in a situation where you've got to throw three or four guys out of position and have to do a makeshift setup that way. Yeah. Um, I know. I know it's a big risk, but that's what I mean. It's risk versus conservatism, and at the end of the day, I look at it as though you know what you got to go with the players who have been playing. You know, and that's the thing is. It to me sounds like that you know all the fan, the fans are almost in a way those have been very vocal about why has he not been playing is that they're still expecting Luke Luke Devere three or four years ago before he went to Korea. It's look age alone suggests that he's not that, but the fact that he's played not much football like he's played. He's my age. God. Yeah. 
Things I think also the Royal Clans showed their hand with as well. Last week when Daniel Bowles was suspended for five yellow cards, Reardon started and Negro was on the bench. Yeah. So I reckon that's going to be the way it's going to be again. Rightly or wrongly, it's just what's yeah. going to happen. Fair enough. All right. Any other changes from Melbourne City or do you go with the side that was doing so well up 2-0 against Perth? I'd like to see Joe Clady come back into the squad. In place of? Uh, that's a very good question. Because Christensen was pretty good actually against... Um, what's it called? I actually, yeah. Because of two games in five days, I think you're going to have to manage that situation again. So maybe Coletti starts one of them and Christensen starts the other, that sort of deal. But I'd like to see Coletti get some more game time because he's been really good. I would actually consider playing Christensen against Melbourne City because we've seen, I suppose, the senior trio of Mackay Lopez and Christensen yeah. get just completely outrun by yeah. Melbourne victory. So maybe you want to put those legs in with Coletti. The other thing is Matt Mackay might want to give a rest to us all in one of these games and play D'Agostino from the start. Because he's been quite good off the bench and having an impact. So maybe you can get 60, 65 minutes from him at the start of a game. Certainly. And that was actually something that Darren Davies did say in his press conference, which you can listen to in full on uh, the uh, on our Facebook page, Brisbane Football Review. Um, he did say that Matt Mackay was only supposed to play 45 minutes on uh, Sunday night. So there we go. Yeah. Now, we should move on and touch very quickly on the game in six days' time for the A-League side, Melbourne victory. Last time, it was an absolute mess. 4-2 <laughs> in, in a wild first half and a training run in the second half. It was highly entertaining, though, wasn't it? That was that was ridiculous. It was a great 45 minutes to watch, apart from the fact they were all uh, losing 4-2. Yeah, I, I was sitting in the stands in a raw jersey going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah, look, um, no, it was... Uh, Another game of two halves, but all the action one half and not much on the other. And um, look, the one, I guess the one difference is going to be that you know, we, unless uh, unless there's a miracle and there's no KSK Honda, but that's about all as far as you know relief because he's still got Toivonen, he's still got Barbarusas, he's still got Troisi, you know, I'm, and Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to steal a line from a uh, familiar source myself and just say it seems like the victory found a way around Honda's absence, and that's just get the ball to Toivonen. Yeah, it's why wouldn't you? It's he's been absolutely superb, Toivonen. I mean, yeah, talk about getting your recruitment yeah. right. I mean, who who would have believed you could find an upgrade on Bessar Borussia? And who would have believed that Melbourne Victory could recruit a good player not from Brisbane? You saying Corey Brown's not a good player? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying it's a miracle they're able to find a good, pick up a good recruit without having to raid the raw stocks for said player. Give it time. Just, just on Corey Brown, I think he, he, he seems to have have had a, you know a a decent season. Nothing mm. spectacular, but he's been solid. I think, yeah. you know, obviously he's better than where he was twelve months ago at the Raw. So, but it seems like he, yeah. Well, on that note, I suppose Brown actually seems like he's settled in quite well. Yeah. Like he's not being asked to do a whole lot yeah. because he's actually just been able to say, all right, well, I know these guys are going to sit there and do their job. It's a very. It seems like he's got a very different mission than he did up in Brisbane. Yeah. Now that being said, uh, there's only so much we can really preview about this mm. game on Tuesday night because obviously we've got to get through Friday first. So I think, yeah. for all intents and purposes, we're done for tonight. Yeah, right. Anything could happen on Friday night, which makes previewing this game very difficult. But it does happen before our next show. But that being said, if you are one of the people that did threaten to boycott the Raw until the Aloises were gone, show up Tuesday night. Well. Will, they, will anyone else show up? It's That's Tuesday the, night football, Suncorp Stadium. That's going to be very interesting. With a ninth place Raw side, just show up. Like, that's all you can really do. <laughs> all right, so I'll close off with one last question in three words or less. Will How many points will a Raw f- finish with after these two games against Melbourne? 
Um, mm, that's two words, isn't it? <laughs> Three. You're already over the limit. One point. <laughs> I said I'll beat Melbourne City. I am so going I'll go three points. Look, I'm going to say, in the interest of responsibility, I'm just going to keep tipping against the until yeah. they show me a reason otherwise. The thing is, City is such an inconsistent side. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 but we could you, see good City, we could yeah. see bad City, either way. Yeah. And City have done that in the past. They've dropped points at home to teams they really shouldn't. No, I'll, I'll pick the order to win the game. They've been improved, particularly in the first half against Perth. Well, let's hope that is another uh, situation where City drop points against a team they probably shouldn't. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Good to see you again, you James. Too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, enjoy the football this weekend. You know, make sure you're supporting the W League as well early Friday and keep keeping tabs on the Youth League as well on Saturday. And, of course, get to Suncorp Stadium Tuesday night. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you next week.